Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and I am joined today by Mitzi Short, an executive coach and speaker. And Mitzi is the co-founder and CEO of New Season Coaching and Consulting Group and a founding member of the Band of Sisters that I cannot wait to talk to her about. Now, Mitzi worked 25 years at PepsiCo in sales operations and marketing leadership roles, and she is the co-author of the book, You Should Smile More, How to Dismantle Gender Bias in the Workplace. Mitzi, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Thank you, Corey. It's a wonder to be here. Oh, well, thank you so much. And let me just tell you, I almost started, you know, giving you giving it all away before we started recording. But your <laughs> book, and I'm going to hold it up because I want to make sure everyone sees it. It's an amazing book because you have put together so many examples of gender bias that are from the subtle to the most blatant. And uh, I was shocked sometimes and sometimes not because I was like, wow, we really just do that as a society. But before we begin, I would love for you to share um, what is the Band of Sisters and what brought you all together? So the Band of Sisters is a group of six colleagues who were at PepsiCo over the span of our careers in about 10 to 12 years collectively there together. And so it's the six sales and marketing leaders that uh, all together, I, I think we spent 12 to 25 years with PepsiCo. And then we've all gone on to our other careers and careers in marketing, leading the uh, marketing team for the NFL and Keurig and other organizations and other boards. And we came together, really started as a result of a dinner that we had. And we're reminiscing about the good old days. And then we're like, well, there's some things that <laughs> weren't so good. <laughs> and we thought, okay, well, let's, let's talk more about this. And we started to think about what were some of the specific things. And we said, Hey, we're at a point in our careers where we really want to be able to, to give back and mm. to use our experience and exposure to make a difference. Yeah. And um, and so that was the genesis of of that. And we thought, okay, we'll have some conversations and some organizations to really get the conversation going or keep it going around how to have more inclusive work environments, specifically as it relates to gender, and mm-hmm. hopes that we could help. Yeah, and there's six of you all together then, right? There's six there's six of us, yes. Right. And what's fascinating is because, you know, you talk about how you've all gone on to do such great things, but you still have these core memories of some things. And then you talk to millennials and Gen Zers, and a lot of those same things are still happening. So first off, when it comes to this book, I know that you broke it down into three, I guess, segments. One is the person who's experiencing the gender bias. And then you also give some advice to whoever's witnessing the gender bias. And then you also give advice to the bosses in these corporations who maybe inadvertently don't even realize that they're administering this. And so you give them some actionable advice. Why was it important for you to include all those three elements? So there's a lot of research out there around 
gender bias and how it happens, but there wasn't a lot of advice on what to do when you're in the situation. And we thought, well, who's typically in these situations that will be wondering what to do? Obviously, the female, the woman who was in that situation. But then there's bystanders that can have have the opportunity to impact. And there's a lot of people who want to do something, but they don't know how. And so we thought it would be easy to provide insight for the bystanders as well. And then bosses, leaders, be they male or female, they have a key role to play in ensuring that gender bias is minimized and eliminated, and also workplaces are more inclusive. So that's why we targeted on those three audiences. Yes. Well, it's really, it's really effective because I had not even thought about those in segments. I thought uh, when I read it, I was like, wow, this is like actionable advice for everyone. So then it becomes more of like a, of a societal response, if you will. Right. Absolutely. Our thing was, it's not on the women to solve for this. It's on everybody to solve for this. It's together. And, and you'll see in, in reading it, it's not a, a shame or blame game. It's an awareness and let's take action from where we are. Right. And as I mentioned, the subtlety, how you begin with some subtleties that we may not even realize we're saying or doing. And even in the first chapter, it begins with who's the new girl. And you have this whole introduction of the way that we assign the word girl to women. And I guess it's just sort of like an antiquated I mean, it sounds like it's like a very 1950s, like, who's the new gal? You know, it's like, <laughs> but it's stuck. And here we are in 2022. And there are women who are like leaders with PhDs being referred to as like the new girl in accounting. Or, so why do you think that is still so pervasive if that is something from so long ago and you're still hearing that being utilized now? Well, I think, you know, part of it is because we let it go and we accept it, right? Mm. The opportunity is to say, there are really no girls in the workplace. They're women. And so if you're the woman, you can say, please refer to me as a woman or a lady. If you're a bystander, you could say, you know, try to raise awareness. You know, we wouldn't say the new boy in the mailroom or anything like that. Right. So I think it's just a matter of not letting things go any longer. Right. And, and recognizing that, we call it lazy language, impacts how people are viewed and can impact the person's confidence as well. Oh, that's a great one. Yes, because uh, weeks ago, I interviewed a reporter from MSNBC. She's on Morning Joe, Daniela Pierre Bravo, and she has a book called The Other, Claiming Your Power as a Woman of Color in Business. Mm -hmm. And she had some very similar situations where there's this almost like this... Um, the women feel like they've been minimized by the men in the room. And then to the point they start to accept it. You find them sort of fading more in the back, not contributing as much. And they almost sort of like, just take it, if you will. Right. And then she talks about exactly the same thing. You know, you have to not take it and come forward and make your voice known or else you're going to just completely always be in the back. Right. And we often refer to them as micro solutions, right? There's micro offenses, so there's micro solutions. And if everyone takes action, then we can chip away at this more quickly. Mm -hmm. readily. Yeah. 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 And another similarity too that you address in your book that she also has, which is a, a same way of handling things when you're faced with this situation. I thought this was great. You know, you, you say to 
sort of almost say it back to the person. There's one example you give where uh, someone may say something inappropriate. And what you do is you sort of give them the opportunity to realize how messed up it was. Yes. <laughs> so yes. one example that she gave was a young Asian woman was working. It was like a, her first day and her own boss, who she reports to, said, you look like a pretty China doll. And from that moment in that position, she could no longer get that out of her head. And she found herself disappearing in meetings because she felt like she was being looked at objectifiably as an object. And it made her not want to raise her voice. It made her almost not want to be seen because she felt like now she had this sort of obstruction in her opportunity and she didn't participate. And so it really impacted how she showed up every day. And she minimized herself in that example. Yeah. And you say something very similar. You say back to the person, well, what did you mean by X, Y, Z? Right. That's why it's important not to let stuff go. Right. We want to raise awareness. And so when you play something back to someone or help them understand what they said or what they're doing is actually a, a micro action, right? Aggression. Then they begin to say, okay, now I understand. Hmm. Right. Bring it to the awareness. And then you say, well, how can you help us change? How can you, what action can you take to support something in the other direction? Yeah. And you also, of course, with that same, I guess, ideology, you know, it's rooted in a whole lot of other misogyny. And, and one thing you really point out, I love the chapter about the the father's as compared to mothers, the whole different dynamic. And it's almost like uh, fathers are praised in the workplace when they just do what they're actually supposed to do, right? If you're a parent, no, we're not high-fiving you because you took off on Wednesdays to go take your kid to the doctor. Like you're supposed to take your kid to the doctor and mothers do it every day. And you talk about how women are almost apologetic about doing it because it looks like uh, it's a weakness for them to take care of family. Talk a little bit about that. And that comes up in a number of contexts, right? You know, you're in a meeting and a mother has to to leave to go attend to or pick up her child from school. And there's a tendency to feel like, oh, I've got to, you know, apologize for that, where we're finding that our male counterparts was, hey, got to go, got to go pick up Johnny and end the story. Right. And so really making it so that there's no shame. There's no this is only a woman's responsibility, but it's a parental responsibility and be male or female shouldn't be looked upon in a a negative light. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't make assumptions for uh, female leaders that, you know, she has a child, so she may not be wanting to take a promotion because it requires a move where we don't have that same uh bar or standard, or we don't make that choice or assumption for the male counterparts oftentimes. Yeah. It's funny. That's one of my favorite chapters. Uh, you know, I'm not like just saying that to you because you're here. I think it was chapter, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was chapter 16. Wait, I got it. Yeah. I think. And you talked about the the assumptions and it was about like, um, you know, oh, well, she's just gotten engaged. And then you, but if you put before that, the prefix of she'd be great for this promotion, but that was an assumption. Her being engaged has nothing to do with if she is right for this promotion or not. So that has nothing to do with anything. Just offer her the promotion and she'll work out what she needs to work out to exactly. do the job. Offer her that opportunity, right? What are the qualifications? What are the leadership qualities, the functional qualities, the skills that you're looking for in an individual? And if that person meets those, they can choose whether they want to move or not, but don't not offer them the opportunity because assumptions that 
that we make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really powerful one. And I um, had to think of my own mom, who I love dearly. I'm an, I'm an only child. She's raised me as a single mom. And I thought about her when I read uh, your chapter about the uh, superwoman syndrome. Yes. Because mom had that syndrome ever since I was born. And she had four siblings and she pretty much was the glue that held everyone together on top of working nine to five, putting the roof over my head. But that can burn women out as well. Right. So talk a little bit about that. So you really have to be mindful of that and think about what is important for you to do in your role to get ahead and not try to do, not try to do everything. Right. And, and the saying goes, you, you can do everything, but you don't necessarily have to do it all at once. Mm. Right. Right. And so there's a tendency for women to think they have to be everything to everybody. And that's not necessarily that's not, not necessarily the case. So when mm-hmm. you're in those situations, how can you ask for help, help when necessary? Very important to think about that. Yeah. And it's funny in that same like idea where it's funny that women are still being treated as inferior beings in our society in many cases, when so many men who are actually imposing that stereotype on them were raised by strong women who held, they know these women held it down. They know their mama was the one everybody came to right. to make it all better and to pay the bills and in many cases made more money than the male counterpart. Like we know this dynamic and yet it's just fascinating to me that then many of the men go out in the world and then they impose this bizarre, totally antithetical stereotype from what they, what they know women to be able to do. Right. That is very strange to me. You know, that's when we had our conversation at dinner and subsequently over the next 21 months, and we check with millennials to say, hey, this is the experience a while ago. Is it still relevant today? And we found out more and more that it was. That's how we get to the it's not just on women. It's on men to help do this. And and we're not going to assume that every man is intentionally creating gender bias, but it is being created. So we are calling men in. To say, we want to raise your awareness. We want to let you know, look, this didn't happen overnight. Right. Not big stones, but brick by brick. But we got to start doing something, right? Mm -hmm. And so bringing it to people's, to men's awareness and calling them in to say, our hope is that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we're not having this conversation. (laughs) We're talking about something different, right? And it is about awareness and the witnesses and the managers that are male helping dismantle this brick by brick and starting now. Absolutely. As a man, I'm really happy to have this conversation because you just nailed it. We have to protect women because not that they need that protection. Women are competent and able to do so. But I mean, as men in society, we need to make sure that we are making sure women are treated equally. Uh, And that means the sons, the brothers, the dads, the uncles, because we are the ones who are, of course, trying to coexist in the same place with women as whether it be workplaces or relationships or whatever it is. So I just feel like there's a responsibility. And what shocked me was as pro-woman as I am, I found myself in these pages of your book. Mm. I wasn't like, like, oh my gosh, have I, have I said that to a woman before? You know, I didn't even think about it. Assumptions about pregnant women and business, for example. Yeah. Yeah. How far along is she? How would that impact the work? Like I've, I've thought that stuff before and it's completely wrong. So share a little bit about 
that dynamic with pregnant women in the workplace. Corey, one of the things that you said that's so exciting to me is that you read it. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's our hope that you read it and say, okay, where do I see myself in this? And is this how I envision seeing myself? Or is this one of those, oh my gosh, I do that. I am creating gender bias. Yep. And when you recognize that, then you can go back and say, okay, what am I going to do about this now? When I go to this meeting, what am I going to do different? I know Sally is always getting stepped on all her ideas. No one says anything about them, but, but Greg will say the same exact thing and get <laughs> yeah, all the like, praise. Ah, yeah, yeah. What can I do next time I'm in that meeting and that situation comes up? Mm-hmm. Right. Or when I'm, if, if I'm having a conversation with one of my female employees who says she's going out on maternity leave, can I ask her just, how can I help you? Mm. Why do I have to go through all those other things? Right. So what you described is awesome. It's like, read, let's discuss, let's have the conversation. One of my colleagues shared that she had uh, uh, another one of her, her uh, friends had read the book and he had a similar response and he thought, hmm, am I really doing this? How is it impacting other women that I work with? And so he asked one of his female colleagues, Does this, is this a thing? <laughs> and boom, just yeah. totally unloaded and shared. But mm-hmm. he had created the safe space for the conversation, yeah. which was yeah. wonderful. That's what we want to have happen. Let's have the conversation and go after it together. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I know that's really important because um, I was thinking that even when I was reading the, the other book I referenced with Daniela Pierre Bravo's book, now she's a fair-skinned Latina. So she even acknowledges that, okay, so she was an other in the workplace, but she even acknowledges that she still kind of looked white, right? So then you can pile onto that people of color who are identifiably other when they, they walk into a room. There's a whole absolutely another layer added to it. And I think the reference you make, and I've experienced this with my colleagues and friends, was then you're afraid of being labeled the angry black woman if you're just opinionated or firm. A perspective if you're confident in what you're saying and what you're doing and you take the fear of being the angry black woman and not being invited to the meeting or not Mm. getting the promotion you layer these things on top of each other and over time that causes people to say why Mm -hmm. (laughs) why stay here why do this and i think more and more with the uh it's almost this perfect storm of the great resignation mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. war for talent. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, I mean, you could see it when you go to restaurants, when you go to any servicing, the war for talent is real. Mm. Right. And so if you want to hold on to your best talent, it's about creating work environments where people can thrive. And that's where people feel they belong in, and the environment is inclusive. Yes. I yeah. think that's real important for mm-hmm. uh, the representation part. Obviously, people don't see themselves represented in firms or in companies. That is a big red flag for them not to want to be there. So I think that, you know, that's a big positive that we're seeing a trend towards. But I do wonder how many companies are just like checking a box like, okay, I got two Chinese people, one white, one black. Okay, we're done with diversity versus really putting the work in, you know, and I'm yeah, I'm not sure if you have an experience. No, with that. I'm like you. You hit the nail on the head. I actually had a conversation yesterday. I was actually coaching two clients, and they talked about how the number 
of women in the organization had increased, Mm. but the representation of women in senior roles throughout had not necessarily. Mm. Yeah. And having people in the workplace is one thing, having them feel like they belong and having them feel like their, their perspective is valued and that they can contribute is something totally different. So while we see numbers have gone up, feeling included hasn't necessarily gone up. And that's mm. why we this work is, the conversation is so important. Right. Yeah. And you talk about that when you uh, speak about like the lingering gender bias in corporations and, you know, why they should want to address this issue. Now, that's one element right there. You know, you want people to be more inclusive, but talk a little bit about, you know, just more of the importance of why more corporations need to, not just with women, but just get out of the old, like, mentality of, you know, corporate white males are the only ones voices that matter. Why is that important? Well, there's the business reason, right? So if you want to be able to connect and relate to your consumers, you have to be able to relate to them and you you need people that look like them in your organizations, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a business imperative to be able to, to address consumers needs, but then having employees that have great ideas and are willing to share those to help the the organization grow and achieve results is really important. If people don't feel like they belong, the organizations that do create that environment are going to be the ones that collect the talent, Mm. the talent to help to drive the business forward, the talent to help people feel like they're a part of the team, the the organizations that people want to show up for every day, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things, and just to go back a little bit to this, the, the superwoman syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, one of the parts of the book I love too is where you talk about how the superwoman syndrome is also, is not just about women are actually doing everything. They're also trying to make it, they're concerned with making it look like it was easy that they've done everything. Like it's almost like a bit of a, you know, a double-edged sword where like they're really the bandwidth is maxed. They're, you know, at the end of their wits with everything, but it's almost like some sort of compliment that's, I don't know how she does it. You know, how does she do it? But then I thought what was interesting was there was a, I think a millennial you spoke to, maybe it was a Gen Z or I'm not sure, but she talked about how the zoom calls (laughs) kind of, you know, pulled the veil back from that because on Zoom, you see the mother, she's like breastfeeding with the blanket over the baby's head and the dog is in the background acting a fool. The kids are screaming and, you know, so she said that was a positive in a way. The technology that we had to go to Zoom, it shows that what's really going on is a lot. (laughs) So, you know, talk about how, you know, you think that now that's a, maybe there's a better direction going forward because maybe people get it now that, you know, this work from home thing might've exposed us to more. Well, I think the work from home thing proved that it can be done and productivity overall actually can go up, right? Mm -hmm. In some ways it's leveled the playing field in the sense that everybody's in a box, right? Yeah. And everybody's in a box. They're the same height. They take up, you know, similar amount of space. And so the, the meetings before the meetings, they're less uh, prominent in that, in this particular context. Right. And I think in some ways it's shown people, the people side of, of leaders and other employees, because they see people in their different environments. Right. I think there's the, the other side of that is 
if people make assumptions and judgments about people based on that, then that's, that's a challenge. I think the other key thing too is to be present and to show up and to be engaged when you're on Zoom as if you were in person. I think that's mm-hmm. important because yeah. if you're not, then again, you might be dis- disadvantaged uh, from a, a, vo- a share of voice perspective. Mincy Short, co-author of You Should Smile More, How to Dismantle Gender Bias in the Workplace. Thanks for being here today. I really appreciate the fact that you, you've you read it and you, you've actually taken it on and you can see yourself in it and you're helping to share share the word and pass the message along. That's, that's exciting and it's been my pleasure to be on the show and glad to have you join the band. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.